Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 56, and we're reviewing Uramichi Onisan. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. Uramichi Onisan. I feel like I hear that in my head every time I think about the show because they had a lot of, uh, I don't know what you call them, those transitions between the segments in the middle of the episode. Yeah, like those breaks. Yeah. Um, obviously there were a bunch of different ones, but some of them always kind of sounded like Uramichi Onisan. I think my favorite one is, um, Ikateru's from the first episode. Oh, and he's He's laughing. (laughs) Yeah. We'll definitely talk about that because that was, uh, probably one of the best scenes in all of anime that I've ever witnessed. (laughs) But yes, Uramichi Onisan. We're going to dive right into this one. And I think we're going to do things a little bit different for this review as you all know, you know, having listened to us for a bit now, we like to do very in-depth, episodic reviews. But with Uramichi Onisan, it's kind of like a show about nothing, is the way you described it before? Yeah, I. there are many ways that I've described this show. I think in our um, summer preview or summer impressions episode, I called this like Mr. Rogers on drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, the other... Mr. Rogers on depression. <laughs> yeah. um, the second one... The second comparison, I think, was that this is sort of like a cross between Seinfeld and Avenue Q. Because um, Seinfeld is that American sitcom from what, like the late 80s, early 90s, that was just about a cast of friends that really did nothing important. I don't know if there was like a significant overarching plot in that sitcom. And I only watched a couple episodes. Um, and then Avenue Q is a Broadway musical, which kind of parodies Sesame Street. Where, you know, it's another, uh, I guess, show that talks about, you know, life lessons, but it's more of like the depressing life lessons that we learn when we reach adulthood. Like a dose of realism. Yeah. Um, And that's exactly what this show is. But now it's in the format of a Japanese children's TV show. (laughs) So, yeah, with knowing that this show doesn't have a a long-term goal or really like an overarching plot line um we thought it may be a bit odd to kind of talk about things in an episodic format because it's just like a bunch of stuff that happens um and they're just very it's very singular very adventure of the week type of show um so we were planning to talk about it in a bit more of like a general sense although i do have you know certain call outs for certain certain episodes so i'm sure we'll dive into that but talking about the show holistically I feel like, and as we have, we've already alluded to, I feel like this show is literally about millennials whose dreams and college degrees didn't work out and now they're depressed. <laughs> That's basically what this show is. And I, I haven't watched an anime this relatable in so long. I don't have depression. I'm not upset about, you know, my degree not being put to good use. I think it helped me get to where I am now. So that's all fine and dandy. Um, But it's just kind of a a meme, I guess, across millennials and millennial culture that, yeah, life is a a bit more tough than we expected. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's like the things that we learned on Sesame Street and Blue's Clues were a bit too (laughs) idealistic. um, And now we're... Like all of us, or my, I would assume most of our listeners are like late twenties, early thirties, and that demographic. And now we're facing the realities of life, which uh, some of which is addressed in this show. Um, yeah, millennials got a lot of shit to deal with, and it's nice to have an anime that's geared toward us in our gen- generation that we can find relatable versus one that's about high schoolers or even middle schoolers. So you couldn't classify this or categorize this as a shonen right it would no, just be definitely like a, not probably like a seinen or mm. is there a category above a seinen not above but like beyond a seinen for adults in their later years because I, I know the wrong person i mean shonen <laughs> is obviously meant for younger boys um seinen is meant for young adult boys i believe so yeah is there something that's you know for not like old old people but older people (laughs) or is there like a a pessimistic genre of anime (laughs) yeah it's called slice of life plus reality (laughs) (laughs) but i honestly i i liked this show a lot did it blow me away no was it the funniest thing i ever watched no but i genuinely enjoyed it i looked forward to watching it every single week 
again, just the the high relatability made it all that more special to me. And I think it it had a lot of promise. It didn't, you know, kind of follow through on some aspects, which we'll talk about. But overall, I think it's an absolute solid watch. And in kind of thinking about, you know, long term for the show, if there even is a long term, do I want a season two? Sure, I'd be down and I'd definitely watch it. Do I need a season two? No, I'd be okay if this is the one and only season. Um, and they were pretty meta about that in the the final episode. So I could I could be fine either way. If we get more Ud- Udamichi Onisan, I will certainly be on board. I will be watching. If we don't, I enjoy what we got in this, this single season. Yeah, I guess the, the way I can summarize my feelings about this show is that it's one of the more significant highlights of summer 2021 which i think isn't really saying much if you think about it yeah it was kind of a summer 2021 was a pretty blah pretty mediocre season compared Mm -hmm. to the rest of this year so this was a bit of like a, a diamond in the rough although it's still a pretty rough diamond um but yeah i would say like this show was was a very easy watch again with it not really having an overarching plot line although it kind of touches upon it in the final two episodes um i think what i love the most about this besides like you know the 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 eye-opening lessons that uramichi imparts on the kids that are watching (laughs) a show or just the the things that happen in between are just like the the cast of characters which which sticks out a lot um, but I don't know, as, as much as I, you know, loved the kind of randomness of it and the lack of chronology, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. Um, I still kind of hoped that there was something that still connected everything that we learned in the show and learned about Uramichi, um, until the very end. But I guess the way this the way I can compare it is like this is kind of like Way of the House Husband, um, which I know there's a quote unquote season two out right now on Netflix. Um, but this show does what Way of the House Husband does a little bit better. Um, a lot its, better, in my yeah. opinion, <laughs> especially um, when it comes to animation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that first and foremost. But um, with like this vignette format, um, I feel like it fleshes out characters a lot more than um, what we see in Way of the House Husband with Tatsu. But I was kind of hoping for um, like a, a hybrid of that, again, with with a sort of overarching plot line, plot line especially with uh, Uramichi's character. Yeah, and save that thought because I, I definitely want to get into that. I, I have the same sentiment and kind of the same wish or wishes for this show. But let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis and to properly introduce this show, because I know in the opening I called it Uramichi Onisan, which is technically the Japanese title. Um, the localized title or the overseas title is Life Lessons with Uramichi Onisan. I don't know why they wanted to add the Life Lessons on there. I think it would have been fine if you just called it Uramichi Onisan. But from our end here in the U.S. and, and kind of the overseas audience, it's Life Lessons with Uramichi Onisan. I think it's because well, Onisan means like older brother right yeah um Hype. but maybe <laughs> was <laughs> um, that a weeb moment or what <laughs> yeah that was a fucking weeb moment um but i'm assuming like other out- audiences outside of japan won't recognize that um unless they were like fucking weebs like us and probably just thought it was like a, a last name or true something. but there have definitely been other anime that just have their japanese title and that's kind of it not a lot of them but I think here you you would have been safe to do Uramichi Nissan because that's literally the main character of the show. It may have been confusing, you know, at surface level, but once someone watches like the first ten seconds of the show, they'll know exactly what what the title is referring to. Well, you know, sometimes Americans just need to be spoon fed. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as Courtney mentioned, we're not going to do an episode by episode uh, for this show. But to provide like a really quick overall synopsis, um, Uramichi Onisan, again, also known as Life Lessons with Uramichi Onisan, is the 2021 anime adaptation by Studio Blanc of a Japanese comedy manga series by Gaku Kuze. The series centers around Uramichi Omota, a 31-year-old former professional gymnast who works as the leader of the exercise segment of the children's show Together with Maman. 
Despite keeping an upbeat personality on the show, he and his fellow cast members can't help but reveal their jaded, worn-out personalities. So let's break this down maybe a little bit similar to how I've done my solo reviews, um, the very few that I've done. First, let's talk about soundtrack and, and music and all that. Let's talk stuff. about the OP and ED. Yeah, let's talk about the OP and ED <laughs> because we've got some pretty pretty amazing things here. Um, OP, I mean, literally the most perfect fit for the show because it's supposed to emulate the opening to the children's show together with Maman. And they slap over on top of that Life Lessons with Unamicho Nissan, the actual title of the show. It's just, it's a kid's show opening visually and musically and it's just a perfect fit there, there's no other way to describe it yeah so the song that's performed in the op is called abc taiso or abc exercises when translated it's actually performed by the two seiyu for the show so mamoru miyano who plays Iketeru on the, on the show and Nana Mizuki who plays Utano Tadano, um, the female cast member of the show. Um, I love this song um, and I even looked up the the actual lyrics for it um, just to understand what was happening uh, or just to understand what they were saying. And it's, it's basically, you know, it, it takes your typical children's show song um, that you hear at the beginning, you know, like like Sesame Street or even Barney and Friends, where it's happy, very positive, happy-go-lucky. Um, but reading the lyrics, uh, it says here, even in endlessly boring days, there are ton of, tons of surprises depending on how you look at things. Can I ask you a question, Onisan? Um, ask your Onisan anything at all. I'll be sure to answer subjectively, so listen whenever you have the time. It's scary to grow up, but it's surely not as bad as all you good children think. <laughs> so again, it, it takes the, the this positive melody, but has this very almost cynical outlook um, in its lyrics. So it's almost like a uh, paradox or an oxymoron. Um, and then you have it paired with, again, as you said, the, the, the visuals open up with, it looks like the beginning of the TV show. Then it clicks off and you realize it's Uramichi watching the TV show and you see his like stoic expression on the television screen. Yeah. And then everyone's, I think after that, it's just everyone going into the the TV studio to get started on the show. And they too are also like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> so I like this OP. And I especially just love this song because again, it's upbeat, depressingly upbeat. <laughs> That's <laughs> how I'll put it. Yeah, it's it's great. And then you've got the ED, which is definitely contender for ED of the year for me. Um, I I think it's it's fantastic. It's unexpectedly cool and stylized. It's a fucking vibe. The music is great and the visuals are not at all what you'd expect for this show, but I don't care because it's so good. I just I don't understand like when when you watch this show and everything just fits this, you know, whole like children's show theme and this theme of like existential crisis and all this stuff. And then you you end the episode on this like really just fucking vibe of an ED. It's like the ED sticks out like a sore thumb, but I don't care because it's so good. It's just so good. Yeah, so the song here, also performed by Mamoru, Mamoru Miyano, um, is Dream On, which I think is off of like his one of his albums, because I know he's a singer in Japan as well. Um, yeah, very chill song, and the aesthetic of the ED. The thing I took out of it was, you know, I, it's the three main cast members, I think, just winding down after their work days, and they look like they're kind of reflecting on life. And you see glimpses of, I think Uramichi, um, his past days in college where he was performing as a gymnast. And the thing that I took out of the OP is like, it looks like the moon. You mean the uh, ED? Did I say OP? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ED. Um, there's images of the moon that are consistently used, not only just in the ED, but I guess sometimes in the show as well. And I think what the ED represents along with that symbol is, you know, the character's dreams and aspirations but all those are kind of shot down as they're they're part of this like day-to-day -day work life the unrealized dreams the unfulfilled dreams yeah which you know <laughs> as depressing as that th sounds i think a lot of us millennials can relate to 
Next, let's talk about, and we don't normally talk about this like specifically, but let's talk castless. Let's talk the voice actors on the show because for something that seems to be like a single season and something that kind of came out of nowhere this cast list is stacked yes stacked we've got some big names in the voice acting industry in anime on this list um i don't know if you want to go through it i've got it pulled up yeah i have a list of at least like the bigger names of this show which again i'm surprised they pulled all of these people together um it's like a honestly it's like a dream dream cast yeah it's, it's like, like a, a dream cast <laughs> it's like a dream list of of uh seiyus yeah almost like you know like um hollywood like star listing on a movie yeah like almost like an ocean's alive it's great <laughs> um so to start with the main character um uramichi he is played by hiroshi kamiya who i think most of us know as the voice for Levi Ackerman on Attack on Titan. And you can hear that when, you know, as when Uramichi talks to the children, he has this positive voice. And then as he delves into his cynical thoughts, it gets into that deeper, like deeper tone, deeper timbre. And then you hear that Levi. It's basically Levi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the say is also known as Kakushi Goto which you watched, I think, earlier this year. Yes. And he was also in uh, Words Bubble Up Like Soda Pop, the movie that came out over the summer. I think he played the father in that movie because I remember... For like a hot five seconds. Yeah, he was only there in the movie for a couple scenes. Um, but yeah, his his... It's not a deep voice, but just very low, soft tone is is recognizable now, I would say. Um, then you have Usahara... Um, who plays the the bunny suited character? Usao Kun. Yeah, which is funny because like their last names, along him and Kuma are just like variations of of the um, animal name, like a play on words almost. Yeah. Um. So Usahara is played by Tomokazu Sugita, one of my favorites. Yeah, and we've mentioned him. I think the most on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Several honestly, different I call episodes. Him one of my favorites. He is my favorite Seiyu. I think. He's just fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think he's well known as Gintoki, of course, from Gintama. And for Jojo fans, as Joseph Joestar. Uh, then you have his his partner in crime, uh, Kumatani, or who plays Kuma, the, the bear-suited character. Um, he is played by Yuichi Nakamura, who is known, again, to Jojo fans as Bruno Bucciarati from Part 5. And more recently, uh, as Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, the other two cast members that had the together with Maman show with uh, Uramichi, you have Ikateru, again, voiced by Mamoru Miyano, who is, I think, very well known as Light Yagami um, in Death Note. And when I looked up his, his um, acting credits, he apparently also played... Uh, a role on Carolyn Tuesday that we watched like last year. Um, he was the DJ Ertegun. Oh, yeah. I remember that character. Yeah. Um, Utano, who is the female cast member on the show, is played by Nana Mizuki. Um, I know she has played significant roles, but in more in shows that we haven't watched. Um, I know she played a significant role on Naruto, but... I don't know if you can recognize this character. She was in Don't Toy Me uh, Miss Don't Toy With Me Miss Nagatoro as the club president. Oh, with the big tits. Yeah. Oh, I okay. I remember that one episode. <laughs> I briefly watched it with yeah. you. So I think yeah, she voices that character. Um, and then you have like additional uh, seiyus who play smaller roles, but again, they're still very big names. Daisuke Ono plays the bar manager Nikota, who I think is a college friend of Uramichi, um, Usahara, and Kumatani. Uh, Kenjiro Suda, who's one of my favorite seiyus, uh, plays the creative director of the children's TV show, Amon. Um, and another one that I noted was Hanae Natsuki. I think he was an assistant director, um, AD, which his name is Eddie. So a lot of these characters are also just plays on words of, of the roles they play on the show. Like the director is Derekida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Hane, Hane Natsuki um, is the voice of Tanjiro for Demon Slayer. 
Oh, I forgot to mention Kenjo Suda um, was Overhaul and My Hero Tatsu. And we have the House Husband, the narrator in To Your Eternity, and Daisuke Ono, Jotaro from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, as well as Erwin, Erwin Smith from Attack on Titan. So a lot of these great actors, voice actors that are on this show in roles big and small. I can uh, add two more to that list um, for any fellow Gintama fans. The voice actor for Furitsuke Capolini, I think that's like the... That's the choreographer. Yeah, the choreographer. With the mushroom cut and... Yeah, and the sunglasses. Very, yeah, very flamboyant. Um, that is played by Kazuya Nakai, who is Hijikata from Gintama. And also from Gintama, was, I think he only had one appearance in one of the episodes. It's when they're at the banquet. Um, he, the character's name is Saito Uebu. I think he's the IT guy, maybe, or the tech guy. Yeah, who... Um, who only loves 2D girls and not 3D girls. <laughs> I know he started um, working on the show with the, the crazy character. Yeah, who's great. Yeah. I love that character. Um, but he's played by Kenichi Suzumura, who is... Um, Okita from Gintama. So that was cool to see many of the major characters from Gintama come back together for this project. But yeah, I'm sure the rest of this cast list, there's um, some other notable people. I think these are the ones that stand out to us just based on what we've watched. But again, talk about an all-star cast. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it was just cool to kind of hear all these these voices come together. I do want to talk a little bit about animation as well. Um, nothing stellar about animation. I think they did a solid job. This was done by... Um, Studio Blanc. Yeah, Studio Blanc. I'm not familiar with anything else that they've done, maybe. I'm going to pull up the list right now. Let's see. Really quick skim here. Uh, yeah, nothing I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what any of this shit is. <laughs> There's only three um, television series, at least on Wikipedia, that list their works. Um, the third one being Uramichi Oni-san. And there's my girlfriend is Showbitch. Showbitch? Well, just looking at these Mal scores of everything else that they've done. So Udamichi Nissan came in at a 7.78 on Mal. The rest of these shows are like 6.26, 6 6.81, 5.72, 5.96. One of them got a 7.07. So they had one that was in the sevens. But everything else I've done seems to kind of be cool. They they know what they're good at, at least in a way. Um, but I think they did a solid job. Mm -hmm. I think like there wasn't any crazy animation because it's just a, a slice of life that's very calm. There weren't any major action scenes or anything. But I really love the way they drew the characters. Um, I think they really played into the fact that these are you know people in their late twenties, early thirties because the character designs are very mature. They're tall. They're kind of like filled out. Is I can't think of the, the right word for it, but they they look like full grown fucking adults, mm -hmm. and I just think they they hit the nail on the head with these. Um, and I I don't know overall the animation was just pretty solid. Yeah, um, a, a change from like you know, cutesy character designs that you expect on anime, and maybe that's also like a thematic in itself with these characters not appearing in like typical anime form. It's like yeah. they've, they've grown up. Not not that there's there's a cutoff of watching anime, you know. <laughs> there should never be. I mean, yeah. look at us. <laughs> but um, you know, again, with the the way the characters are designed, it's like they they are fully realized in again life's realities, um, and maybe that was the intention behind their design. Um, I just love again with the show being centered around a children's TV show, just very vibrant colors. Mm -hmm. even with the different outfits. Because I think Uramichi's main color is blue, Ikateru's is green, uh, Utano's is red. And then like, you just juxtapose that again with with the the themes of the show, which are, again, it's not depressing, um, but kind of like that, that opposite thing. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. When they're on set, there's like this liveliness even even when they're not on the set and they're in like the break room or whatever like there's a lot of whites a lot of bright colors mm -hmm. but then the second Udamichi goes home like his apartment is very just kind of blah and I mean granted he goes home at night right so things aren't going to be brightly colored but when they go out to the bar or whatever like things just kind of feel muted and I think that to your point kind of shows the difference of the quote-unquote lively environment the very happy environment that he's in at work versus the reality that he faces at home yeah all right, so episodes. I Again, we're not doing anything specific. I'm just going to kind of scroll through my notes here and call out some interesting things from each of the episodes. And in thinking about episode one, I think right off the bat, the humor hit pretty well. I thought it was pretty good. 
Um, I loved the sudden transitions from, um, you know, very happy scenes to dark humor, especially when Udamichi is talking to the kids. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I, I do think, though, that they... It would have been good as the show went on if they kind of gave us some other types of humor because I think they latched on to this, um, you know, happy to dark humor transition pretty hard. They, they, they stuck through the whole show with that format of humor and it got not old, but it kind of got a little bit expected, I would say, by the end of the show. So it would have been nice to kind of break that up with some other types of humor. Although, to be fair, they kind of did in certain ways. Um, yeah, it was gonna say another thing that they kind of took humor out of is just the the work life of the cast members itself um skipping to like there's the two episodes where they have to film weather segments during like the opposite weather condition which is extreme (laughs) um so just showing kind of like how difficult and how challenging it is you know, for this this children's TV show, which is supposed to highlight positive things in life, <laughs> when the reality of it is like behind the scenes, these cast members are toiling and being exposed to things that challenge their mind and body. Um, so that was, I would say, like besides the whole cynicism um, aspect of the humor, there was also that, yeah, like, the, and like I, that work life humor. I do enjoy, or I did enjoy the moments where they kind of infused mo- like pieces of realism into different situations like when they're at that restaurant and Udamichi doesn't go with them and he is like singing that song over the scene about just like random shit and it's just super realist and he is like talking or he goes to like touch that crab and he gets pinched by it and oh, he's like well yeah. that's my life just I don't know like <laughs> it was just a very strange way of doing it but I thought it hit very well um and they did that a lot anytime it was a song similar to the OP they infused very like real moments into those songs or real lines about things that you experience in life. Yeah, I actually wrote down um, the the more significant song performances, which were mostly performed by Ikateru and Utano. Um, just the titles of these, like they're so. <laughs> I don't I don't know what's the word. Like they they comment on the randomest things, like. Um, how come it only rains when you forget your umbrella? <laughs> um, the cat's staring at nothing again, which I think this was a song they performed during their live concert. Um, I think it's Utano singing, the, the female, and she sings about not having like furniture in her apartment or enough furnishings or, or food in the fridge, but at least the cat is there. <laughs> so, um, the one that I just found... Again, this had no reason to be funny, but the song, the free sample tasted so good, so why did it taste so normal when I got home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was fantastic. Um, I also loved, uh, there was one song, I think, from episode four. I don't remember what the song was, but there's that line where it's like, I lost sight of the mosquito in my room, so now I won't be able to fall asleep. Oh, yeah. I can totally re- relate to that, especially when it's a spider. If you lose sight of the spider, and you're like, I can't sleep now, because what if it's going to crawl on me in the middle of the night? I can totally relate to that. Yeah, it's kind of like um, in those cases, it's almost like Family Guy humor, where a lot of their like the gags in between the plot are just things that you know happen in in real life, but you just never really think about until they talk about it. Especially, um, I'm going off topic here, but there's one episode where Peter tries to open up blinds, like the the blinds that are uh, with like the horizontal. Slats. Yeah. And he can't open it up properly. And, like, you know, that's something that does happen in real life. But That happened to me today, it, actually. Yeah, they take it to comedic effect. And that's exactly the case here um, in this show with the songs that are performed. The last thing I have about episode one is probably the best, the single best scene in this entire show. There's a lot of great scenes, but this has to be the single best one to come out of this show and maybe mm, one of the best that mm. we're going to get in 2021. And that is the dick joke with Ikateru. So this is um, this is where so they explained to us in the first episode as they're introducing the characters that Ikateru um, really loves crude humor, especially dick jokes. And so he knocks on the door and walks in without Uramichi saying, come in, <laughs> and he comments <laughs> about that. And then he says some some joke about some like scientist whose name is Richard, but when you scale his name down or you give him a nickname, it's Dick. 
Dick Feynman. Yeah. And I don't know. I can't. I, I won't be able to do the scene justice. Um, but, you know, if, if you for some reason haven't watched the show, but you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please go on YouTube and look up that scene. I, I don't know what it's called on YouTube, but if you search like Uramichio Nissan Iketeru or like dick joke, you will find it or um, laughing moments. Any of those keywords, I mm -hmm. guarantee you'll find it. And the reason the scene is so great is because the voice actor for Iketeru does one of the most realistic, like deep laughs that I have ever heard in anime. Like one of those <laughs>, laughs where, you know, when you're with your friends or something and you guys are slap happy and someone says something so stupid, but everyone just dies laughing to the point where you can't breathe. There's probably tears welling up in your eyes and it's just this intense laugh that you try to hold in. He does that so well. I mean, absolutely on point. It's so realistic and I could not stop laughing when we watched that scene. Yeah, it's like just one of those really breathy laughs where you can tell <laughs> like the the whoever's laughing is just they're just um i don't know like, like completely over, taken over yeah by just the by laugh. how hilarious the joke is and i have to actually just give credit to the translation as well so i know in the english subtitles um it's implied that the the joke is you can this there's this physicist whose name you can shorten as dick Feynman, but i think the actual japanese the joke is about um the tyndall effect because he says chin daragensho mm -hmm. um, and chin in japanese uh, means penis if yeah I'm, if i'm not mistaken so that's Chimple. also yeah <laughs> um so i i'm just i was kind of impressed that you know whoever did like the english translations were able to still stick within the context of the joke which is like this thing related to physics um but take take chin and replace that with dick um, I don't know, something about that, it's like very, very good attention to detail. Yeah, 100%. And I imagine that would be very, very difficult to translate something that doesn't translate to a penis joke, mm -hmm. directly translate into a penis joke for English-speaking audiences. So yeah, for sure, that's a great call out and props to the translator or translation team Yeah. Um, but I just uh, staying on that same scene, and I just love how Uramichi gives him a deadpan look as he's <laughs> laughing, <laughs> as if to say like, why the fuck did this guy come in and why am I listening to this right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that scene just really sells um, Ikateru as like this airhead <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who only thinks of like dick jokes. And I'm pretty sure throughout the series, all he thinks about outside of that is like onigiri. Um, yeah, when he's like not bubbles. paying attention, he'll get his onigiri thought bubble. Yeah. But this scene, I, I, I kind of want somebody to submit this scene. Maybe it already has to the subreddit are contagious laughter because it would just fit so well. I know that's mm -hmm. usually like actual videos of people, but uh, I think this would this would definitely fit the context. Yeah. On to episode two. This is where we get introduced to the weird bird thing from Uramichi's dream, which is just so ugly. I don't even know how to describe this thing. It has two mouths and his hands look gross. They look kind of like <laughs> big manly hairy hands. And it has bread, and I don't know. It just torments the shit out of Uramichi in his dreams, and now it's a thing he has to deal with. So I think it's it's a beak, right? That's it's a beak, a, but it also has lips. Yeah. So it has two mouths. <laughs> most confusing. And I like you see it time and again in the show, but I also love how in the OP you see it at one point, and it's like there's multiple um, copies of it like surfing on a – it looks like they're on surfboards – uh, but yeah, it's like the most grotesque sort of drawing <laughs> I've ever seen um, in any form of art. <laughs> and I love that that just becomes a theme throughout the subsequent episodes that they discover this bird-like thing that Uramichi draws, I think, once. And they keep using it for like different merchandise and different segments and stuff. And all the while, it's something that Uramichi probably is haunted by and now he has to deal with it in his workplace as well episode three was interesting because we got to see i think two key themes um introduced which were uh maybe not themes but i guess character moments and the first is udamichi he he actually does care about the kids and wants to do well for them knowing that his role is on an educational tv show and is very important and influential because ikiteru notices that udamichi 
goes out of his way to get hit by the balls that the kids are throwing. Um, and he doesn't do it with any sort of cynicism or he doesn't do it kind of hesitantly. He, he's actively, um, you know, happily jumping in the way of these balls so the kids feel fulfilled like they actually were, were able to to hit him. Because I think the the scene that they were doing was like he was this germ dude. The germinator. The germinator. Right? And they were trying to cleanse him by killing him off with balls that represent soap or something. I don't remember. Oh, no, was. he was... What I mean to was bacteria, and um, Ikatoto was Germinator. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was the villain. Udomichi was the villain in that that scene, and the kids needed to destroy the villain using those balls. So I thought that was a nice, um, nice moment. And we also see that Udomichi draws the Kira Pure, Kira Pure um, characters, and he disappoints the little girl because the the way he draws it is not at all cute, or the way that it's done in the show, and. Um, he, he because he he disappoints this little girl he then feels very disappointed in himself i think ikateru comes to the rescue or maybe kumatani one of the two comes to the rescue and ends up drawing it in a really nice way um but yeah i think these two moments are important to know that Udomichi actually does find some value in his job and actually does care about the well-being of these these children that he works with i think the um, other things that i took away from this episode is I think Uramichi at one point is visited by a Jehovah's Witness um, oh, who tries yeah. <laughs> to, you know, like he tries to convert him and talk about religion and stuff. And I love how I think Uramichi, he ominously questions like why he, he should believe in God when he can't even believe in himself. It's very. <laughs> That's a fair self- question, you know? <laughs> yeah, very self deprecating <laughs> thoughts. Um, and then I think in the post credits, he also takes like this psychological test on tv um which i think is almost like a reflection again on you know millennial outlooks on life um like having hard life and hard relationships and if he has personality issues um another thing that again you you can kind of relate to yeah i absolutely loved the post credit scene um seeing that he basically disclosing to us that he has a hard time being close with and trusting other people and this, this is something that I wish we got more of throughout the show. We got little bits of it every couple of episodes. And then the second to last episode, I think, really gave us a lot of what we were looking for. But I wanted more of this. I, I kind of hoped um, to kind of talk a little bit more about what I wish we would have gotten from the show. I kind of hoped that we would move away or like transition from this very segmented slice of life comedy piece into more of like an overarching story you know kind of still having those those segments infused in between but kind of you know using those first couple episodes to get the the groundwork kind of laid for us understanding who the characters are understanding the environment that they work in what their thoughts or their their approach to to life is all about and then start to move into learning about them on a deeper level seeing their interactions maybe even seeing them overcome some of these hardships that they're dealing with but we never quite got there um, mm-hmm. I was hopeful with the second to last episode that maybe we kind of get there, but that was mostly backstory and we'll talk about that when we get there. But I don't know. I just, when, when I saw this post credit scene, I was hopeful that there would be more of it because this was exactly the kind of stuff that I wanted to see infused or blended with the rest of the show. But overall it, it was eye opening into Udomichi, um, in, in his personality, I guess. But even though we got that, we never really got a full understanding of why he is the way that he is and why he has this this type of pessimistic outlook on life until again the the second to last episode but even then it wasn't very clear it was more like i i think i understand why he's like this but i don't fully understand it yeah again like you said we get a lot of these moments peppered throughout the show and that's where i was i also was kind of hoping like it would stray away from these um sort of unrelated vignettes to something more cohesive um but yeah i think that was one of the not downfalls but just one of the things that i had hoped the show could have improved on it was a missed opportunity for sure um and if they do have a season two i'd love for them to start going that that direction but looking at episode five so i'm skipping a bit um here but looking at episode five we get another moment that that's kind of like that it's very quick but it's when um, Usahara and Kumatani talk to Uramichi and they tell him that if something is troubling him, he can talk to them. 
And then I think he does start to open up a little bit and he says something super fucking deep and depressing and then they immediately don't know how to react. So that was a really great moment, but also another moment where I was like, oh, I'm hopeful that we're going to get more insight into Udamichi and have more more character development where he can start to connect with people and, and trust people and, and build those relationships. Um, but again, we, we didn't quite get there. But this is also the episode where he sings about getting pinched by the crab. And at the end, he looks at his pinky and smiles and says, such is my life. Yeah, I think you, I think you said this earlier. It's easier for Aramichi to um, connect with the kids more. And I think that's what I saw at, more as the series progressed. So that felt like um, just some small semblance of character development for him. Again, because he feels so detached from the adults around him. And you could see that with the way he he treats Usahara, or even with the 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 crazy um, whoever Kikaku, the merchandise guy. Yeah, like looking at him, which I think Kikaku is kind of a reflection of Oramichi um, if he went off the deep end. <laughs> um, but you know, there are certain instances throughout the show where like the kids would go up to him and just tell them how much fun they had on the show, and I think even Uramichi says this um, in passing, like some things resonate with your exhausted, dejected heart. Um, so you have that, again, in contrast to his interactions with his, his fellow co-workers. Even in episode six, when they go on that company trip to the onsen, it was really nice to kind of get a bit of a change of pace where you see them doing something outside of the the show, the immediate like filming of the show. And again, I wish that this was used to establish some sort of overarching plot because this was everybody kind of in a, a different environment, um, a different setting where they could be a little bit more like themselves. Kind of like how Ikateru was like, I want to do a, a pillow fight or some shit because he never got to do that as a kid. But I, but I, that brings up the question, why? Why didn't he get to do that kind of stuff as a kid? Is Is there more to his story that we can learn about through something like that? But again, none of that ever kind of came to fruition. I think the only significant thing was him overblowing the fight with his sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we never really get a past, uh, like an exp- explanation of his past, only with certain characters. Um, really, it's they... only with um, Uramichi, Usahara, and Kumatani when they were in college. Again, that second to last mm-hmm. episode was everything that I so desperately wanted from the show. But again, because it happened so late in the game, nothing came out of it. Like, we get some explanation, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. In episode eight, we get another one of those moments, um, a small glimpse into Uramichi's true self when he takes Kumatani out to Yakiniku. He tells Kumatani that despite his outlook on the world, um, he his motivation to keep going is the smile on the kids' faces. And this, this I think, was more insight into Kumatani than really Uramichi because... Kumatani seems to be the member of the group that's most in tune to others' emotions, kind of like how he always protects Ikateru from getting hurt, and he can always kind of call Usahara on his bullshit. So I, I really appreciated this moment because it gave us insight into both of these characters because um, we hadn't really learned about Kumatani really until halfway through the season. Another point of this episode that relates to um, what I said about Uramichi connecting with the kids, I think they go to um, the mall for like a Father's Day live concert. And there's another point here where a kid interrupts the show and thanks Uramichi for allowing um, him to spend time with his dad. And like I think Uramichi, he resonates with that. And then you kind of get a brief glimpse of what his relationship was like with his own father. Yeah, that's right. Because um, I think... <laughs> Well, he, he asks um, Ushara and Kumatani in their characters to draw their real fathers, but and they actually draw their real dads instead of, you know, putting the animal versions of their dads. <laughs> so then they add, like, the ear, like the rabbit ears and the bear ears. Um, but Uramichi kind of opens up with having, like, this very buff and strict father who, who seemed to be very abusive to him and his... I think he mentions that he has a sister. Um, but him just seeing this kid with his father watching the show um he gets more of an appreciation of like realizing the good that he is doing with his job but yeah that that right there i mean 
what a great opportunity to give us into insight into Udamichi and how he became the way that he is, you know, this this pessimistic millennial. Like I just I wanted to to grab onto that and just take it and run with it. But yeah, the show the show just didn't do that. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe they do that in the the manga or the webcomic. I think it's technically a webcomic. I could be wrong though. Um I thought it was a a manga. manga. Let me or see. no, it was it was serialized online via Ichi Jinsha's Comic Pool Digital Manga Magazine. So who knows? Maybe in the manga it does that. But yeah, if there's a season two, please these moments take them and make them into something bigger for this show. And then in episode nine, I think this is the Christmas episode, and there's a lot of funny shit that happens. Um, I think right off the bat, when Ikateru overhears Uramichi talking about Santa, he asks him about that santa because he thinks santa is real and um when uramichi is about to ask him you know if, if he does think that santa is real kumatani pops up out of nowhere and just goes shh and walks away <laughs> it was just such a stupid moment <laughs> like it wasn't even the fact that ikateru does, thinks that santa is real because i think that fits very well into his character it was more so that kumatani just literally materializes out of nowhere and just tells him shh be quiet and then walks away because he knows that that would destroy ikateru if he found out santa wasn't real again the airhead of the show yeah and i think also in this scene um uramichi was next to the door and ikateru like got excited and wanted to ask him about santa so he flings the door open and whacks the shit out of uramichi's head with the door and i don't know it just it was so minor but just so well done that i i couldn't stop laughing i think this one too i don't know if he was introduced in this episode but we see more of kikaku who's the merchandise um I guess coordinator. Yeah, I think for this the is, show. I, I think this is his introductory episode because I wrote here that um, uh, Uramichi meets Kikaku, the sales department guy. But yeah, he's fantastic. He's so fucking funny, and I love how every time Uramichi interacts with Kikaku, he kind of feels like he wants to open up his heart to him um, because he can relate to the things that Kikaku is saying. Kind of like what you mentioned earlier, like they, they have the same mindset, Mm -hmm. but Kikaku acts so fucking crazy that those doors immediately shut when he opens his mouth. (laughs) Very nice symbolism with the, those doors. (laughs) And then of course, I think most importantly out of this episode, Udamichi was moved and so happy by the kids telling him that they had fun and for him to keep doing his, um, best in, in each of the, the episodes of the show and it shows that other side of him because he gets the motivation to keep going despite his bleak outlook on life because these kids are, are always cheering him on. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. And I'm going to go straight to episode 12, which is the second to last episode that I've mentioned a couple of times now. And yeah, I mean, this has got to be my favorite episode of the season because as I mentioned multiple times, this is ga- this is what gave me... Um, you know, a glimpse into the what could have been of Uramichi Onisan. This is the backstory episode, and it's very, very different than the rest of the season because it focuses solely on the backstories of Kumatani, Usahara, and Uramichi when they were in college. Um, it shows us how they met, how Uramichi used to be back in college in terms of his personality. I think he was less pessimistic, but still pretty straightforward. And it all kind of was sparked because Usahara overhears a conversation where Uramichi says he's going to quit, although it ended up being a, a misunderstanding. Yeah. Obviously, this episode had actual plot for the yeah. for the whole series. But <laughs> there was something actually going on here. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because I think at the very end of this episode, Uramichi tells um, Utano and Ikateru that he wants to quit his job. But then we find out in the last episode of the series like like you said it was just a misunderstanding on uh, Usahara's part where uh, Uramichi was just wanted to quit his current gym or like the membership at his gym yeah it was kind of confusing I I took it as like he said he wanted to quit working and then it was mm-hmm. like he actually wanted to quit working out but I don't know if it was just he was changing gyms I don't know I was trying to rationalize the uh, I don't know if it was a translation thing or what but I was trying to just wrap my head around how the misunderstanding happened because it's yeah. kind of a it's a little bit of a stretch but i i kind of like that throughout the show we've seen uh uramichi kind of treat usahara like shit yeah <laughs> you know, giving him death stares and <laughs> even though like uh usahara treats um treats uramichi as his his senpai 
still talking shit behind his back and then you know Urumichi appears out of nowhere yeah and then you see um Usaharo like freaking out and you see like his like shivering or not shivering but like getting chills in his um bunny suit but then in this episode 12 you see how much Usahara actually comes to respect Urumichi from their past experiences and then for him to really feel for Urumichi um hearing that he's like he's not satisfied with with his current life or again with his current job as he understood it um makes you think that maybe he Usahara is really a, a great friend um but it's it's kind of like our relationships with our best friends where you know we could talk shit about each other but like deep down you actually care about them yeah i think it's more of a like a, a take on their personalities because Usahara is just so easygoing and kind of stupid and all this stuff. Kumatani is very like straight laced and kind of has a temper sometimes. And then Uramichi is also pretty straight laced, but um, just kind of has again this this bleak outlook on life. And I, I really enjoy the dynamic between the three of them. But you're right. One of the the main takeaways here is that Usahara actually admires Uramichi, and he uses the word at least in the translations or the subtitles, he used the word admire. And I think that's that's very powerful for him to use that. And he looks up to him. And it was unexpected to have most of this backstory told through his eyes, especially in a serious tone, given how, again, carefree and kind of stupid Usahada has been for the majority of the show. The other big takeaway, I think, as Usahada and Kumatani reflect on their college days with Uramichi, is... Get, giving us an understanding of why Uramichi is the way that he is, saying that gymnastics was everything to him and that he seemed lonely without much family to support him and always had to feel like he, he needed to be serious. He couldn't relax or be himself. So I think what they're trying to say here is that he was not close to his family growing up. And then on top of that, gymnastics was everything to him. And I think Usahara hints that like he can't do gymnastics anymore or like something about that was taken away from him. And that's why he's kind of a pessimist now. But again, mm -hmm. it wasn't super clear. And that's kind of what was confusing me is, is this the the hints that we need to understand Udomichi as he is today? Or am I, you know, understanding this incorrectly? No, yeah, I, I took it as like, you know, Udomichi had lofty dreams um, with continuing with his, his gymnastics skills, but there was a catalyst that I think was kind of missing in this episode, or maybe it just didn't understand it well, where he had to kind of take a step back from those dreams and then end up at this job as a cast member on a children's TV show that isn't in line with what he really wants to do. Yeah. But yeah, that part was very unclear or it was just missing outright from this episode beside or despite it being, very plot driven uh, for Uramichi at this point. Overall, great episode. I loved it so much, and yeah, it was it was a taste of what I was craving from this show. And that leads us into the final episode, episode thirteen, which undoes everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gets real meta on us. So yeah. basically, it confirms that yes, he's or I guess no, he's he's not quitting the show. He's instead quitting his gym. It was all a misunderstanding on Usahada's part. You could see that coming a mile away, but. The latter half of the episode gets incredibly meta with them anticipating a final episode-esque or type of moment to happen, but it never does. And then them basically saying that because their lives are so plain and boring, that them just hanging out and being in their slice of life mode is the final, the final episode type of moment that they were looking for. It just fits very, very well. But I love the lead up to this um, because we see different situations um, at the studio where you think it's going to be like a significant part of like this final episode plot um, I think there's a point where like the director says that or like the directors are conversing about um, a kid that's gone missing during yeah. the show <laughs> and like they're all freaking out and the kid just suddenly shows up behind them as they're talking and so that resolves that situation um, and then you get another scene where I think Iketeru has an injury on stage, oh, yeah. but then he, like you see the reveal that he's fine. He just has like a hangnail. And then the uh, one about um, Iketeru's sister, I think, calls him or something um, to to tell them about something that happened to their dog. 
but it was just that the dog won an award in a competition. Like, <laughs> just, I have all of these really or, serious... Or, doesn't Utano get, like, a phone call about marriage? Yeah. But it's actually that her boyfriend <laughs> wants to borrow money to, to give a, a gift for someone's wedding or something. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of these moments where you think, oh, my God, this is something serious. There's something serious happening, but it they just rip the... the the rug out from under us <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a great way to kind of end the the season in a way that's totally different than anything i've ever seen mm-hmm. in anime um and i think it was just them poking fun at themselves and the show knows what it is and it, it knows that it's it's not gonna achieve anything you know super crazy or super amazing it is just a slice of life comedy that looks at what it's like to be a fucking millennial these days yeah and that's it that's all it is and i did enjoy the very very final moments where the group does decide to go out to get a drink or to get dinner or whatever Mm -hmm. and then udamichi uh you know reluctantly agrees to go and then at the end he says something like you know but keep it a secret kids i can't remember what the last line was but i thought it was a good way to end the show yeah, and I think he says something right before the end that maybe just summarizes the point of the whole show or a way that we can kind of reflect on our own lives where he just says everyday life with no changes makes you happy. Um, kind of commenting on, you know, as much as we expected a, a bombastic finale to the show, sometimes it's just, you know, as as monotonous as everyday life can be you just have to find moments in it to appreciate um and i think that's that's the life lesson that i took away from oramichi oni-san yeah that and uh it's tough being a millennial guys (laughs) that as well and so we reach our final thoughts for oramichi oni-san so how many lifeless lessons out of 10 would you give this show I give it a solid seven. It was good. By the mouse score, seven is listed as good, and it was good. I enjoyed it. Again, it didn't do anything crazy. It was just a really fun watch that was super lighthearted but super real and relatable, again, especially for us millennials. It didn't do anything crazy. It didn't do anything spectacular. It's not going to be an iconic anime, and it knows that. But I thoroughly enjoyed it every single episode that we watched. And it was one of the few shows, I think, during summer 2021 that I look forward to or looked forward to every single week. So I genuinely genuinely enjoyed it, despite wanting more explore, exploration into their stories um, or like a progressing plot. And yeah, I would I would recommend it. I would recommend it to people. What about you? I, too, would give it a solid seven out of 10. And I think Usahara made this comment. It's sort of a meta comment um, in one of the middle episodes that this show um, is is a program for hardcore sadists masquerading as an educational show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think the the best thing about it is that it's it's finally an anime about something we can all relate to, which is just, you know, the, the highs... Highs and lows of life, most most significantly the lows. <laughs> but outside of that, you know, I loved the show's eccentric cast of characters, and again, its commentary on these very adult problems and kind of analyzing the the naive outlook that we all used to have as children about growing up. Um, and I think we've mentioned this many times that I was I too was hoping. Oh, hoping hoping <laughs> i was hoping for a little bit more out of the show than just this collection of vignettes of these characters in their work life um and most especially seeing more plot or character development with Uramichi towards the end um although we just learned that that was mostly just a misinterpretation but i think if the show were to kind of interweave these sort of depressing points of life with a plot where the characters try to get out of their respective funks i think would have made for uh, not a more engaging story but one that would be a little bit more intriguing but I, I get with the way that things wrapped up at the end it was sort of like it is what it is um, these are just the char- how the characters live their lives um, and I think from there I can take the moral of the story being as adult life sucks but at least we're getting through it 
Well said. Well said. Um, and yeah, that wraps up episode 56 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on the anime we review, as well as what it's like to be a fucking millennial. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Chinko.